Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Kate Woda. I'm delighted to share a presentation from the 2019 Amino Oncology 360 Conference, also known as IO360, on the topic of BCMA bite. This session is led by Dr. Alex Manella, Medical Director of Oncology Translational Medicine for Amgen. The next IO360 program will take place February 26th through 28th, 2020, at the Crown Plaza Times Square Hotel in New York City. I hope you enjoy the podcast. So some of you may know Amgen has a fairly industrialized approach to the early development of, of the, the bite molecules. And I thought what would be interesting is actually to take you through a, a sort of a longitudinal look at, at how AMG420 or, or the BCMA bite uh, what has uh, gone through its early development. The, the work I'll be talking about is actually the result of uh, three companies' uh, worth of efforts and a number of uh, academic uh, both uh, translational researchers and, and clinical investigators as well. Um, many of you may know this uh, structure as the canonical bite uh, from blinitumumab. It, it's actually a uh, AMG420 shares all of the, the features, the very simple design of the two uh, single-chain FE domains linked together by a very small uh, uh, peptide linker. The Despite the simplicity, actually, this has gone through a few iterations, and, and the important design features of, of AMG420 and now all of the subsequent uh, what we call third-generation canonical bites, uh, one, of, one of the key features is that the uh, epidote binders are designed so that they cross-react uh, with the, the synomalgous monkey uh, uh, counterpart epitopes, and, and that's we believe, is very important for the uh, comprehensive toxicology package that we put together in our IND enabling studies, uh, as well as to generate key uh, preclinical proof of concept data. I'll, I'll share some of that in, in a bit. Uh, I should also mention, because I'll, I'll show a little bit of data, we have a half-life extended uh, version of the, the BCMA bite that's undergoing dose escalation right now. I won't talk about the clinical data, but I'll share some preclinical work that's uh, done with that. Um, and then, of course, uh, in addition to the preclinical data for 420, I'll, I'll walk through the, uh, some of the recent clinical data that we presented at, at, at ASH. So this is uh, some of the, uh, the, the types of data that we, we try to generate internally within our discovery groups uh, to, to generate key proof-of-concept data that, that, we, uh, that we, we have a molecule that's worth bringing into later development. And one thing I should mention, I didn't put a slide in here on BCMA, uh, but, but for those of you who do know not aren't familiar with myeloma or BCMA, BCMA is really an ideal target uh, for immunotherapy and for other targeted therapies because it's, it's truly lineage-specific in its expression, and then it's maturation phase-specific. So BCMA is turned on as, as uh, B cells undergo uh, terminal maturation and, and become mature circulating in B cells. The expression is then uh, higher in plasma cells, and, and myeloma cells even express higher levels of, of BCMA. So, so target is everything with this uh, molecule and then this platform. And, and so BCMA really has many of the features that we feel are, are, are really the, the, the prototype. Uh, and, and, and the proof of concept data here comes from the, this, this very simple preclinical experiments where we 
look at uh, the bite in combination with target cells and then uh, with uh, uh, T cells that are obtained from, from normal donors. And in this case, what we see, uh, uh, the graph here is showing a, a very simple example of a high target load expressing cell line next to a, a non-target uh, express a BCMA negative cell line. And in general, the tabulated results here are showing that the sensitivity to the bite is, is proportional to the amount of BCMA that's expressed on the target cell. So this would be a, a very s simple but, but f important vital first step in, in generating the, the proof of concept that this molecule is worth moving forward. This is additional data showing uh, a bit more about this, this specificity as far as T cell activity in vitro. So the, the, the figure on the left is showing uh, very simple uh, T cell proliferation assays showing that, showing that the uh, the proliferation or the loss of the, uh, the, uh, the, the CFDA signal here in this case is, is happening in the presence of a bite and in happening in the presence of target. And in the absence of, of target or, or the, the bite itself, there's no T cell proliferation. And on the right, what we're showing is cytokine release is also happening in both a, a bite-dependent and a target-dependent manner. And then there's an important uh, peculiarity with myeloma and with BCMA in that uh, this uh, BCMA uh, target, which is expressed as a cell surface molecule and is important in signal transduction and normal plasma cell survival, there's uh, a normal gamma secretase enzymatic activity that cleaves BCMA into a shed form. And in myeloma patients, the, the shed form can actually be uh, present in, in fairly abundant concentrations. And, and so what's important to demonstrate in this case is that binding of the soluble BCMA to the bite uh, itself is not sufficient for activating T cells. And, and so that was the subject of these experiments and, and uh, uh, showing, again, that, that it really it has to be BCMA expressed on cells that binds to the bite and... and, and uh, then to the, the T cell and that, that a formation of a cytolytic synapse is required in order to have productive activation of, of the T cell. So, so this is an example of, of, of the type of experiment that was done to show that specificity. And then uh, another thing that was important in the early development of, of this, uh, the proof of concept again in, in the lab was that, uh, of course, you can imagine that these molecules are going to be tested in in advanced stage myeloma patients, and, and there's always been the concern that these patients may not have the, the best uh, uh, T cells in order to, to really have a productive uh, response to the bite. So what was shown in, in experiments such as these is comparing on the left newly diagnosed myeloma patient T cells to uh, patients with refractory and relapsed and resistant disease that for the most part, you can see there's one example of a, a more flat curve as far as the, uh, the cell, the target cell lysis. Refractory and relapsed myeloma patients, their T cells are sufficient to, to have a killing activity against target cells. Um, and and, and that's, uh, that, that gave us some additional confidence that, that we had the ability to, to see a signal in the clinic. And as you can imagine, uh, one, one of our goals obviously is to uh, quickly query, uh, because there's, there's a desire to move this, uh, these molecules if they show promise in the monotherapy setting to as many uh, patients in need as possible, particularly in earlier lines. And in that setting, often uh, it would be ideal to, to, to be able to combine these molecules with, with standard of care agents. And this is work that actually was done by 
uh, one of our academic uh, collaborators, Dr. Tai and Ken Anderson's group um, with AMG 701. So this is using the half-life extended molecule. We've done similar work with AMG 420 internally. Uh, and, and this was presented at ASH uh, last, just a few months ago. And, and what Dr. Tai found is that with very small uh, amounts of the bite, what we're able to see is, in this case, lenalidomide is able to increase the potency of killing. Uh, and what, what it's being shown here on the right is uh, the little brackets are showing the parrot experiments with low concentrations of the bite with a fixed concentration of, of len showing that there's increased lysis when the len is added. Uh, but then as the bite increases in concentration, there's a point where the, the, the lenalidomide doesn't seem to have an additive or a synergistic effect anymore. And she was able to show that this is associated with activation and the expression of activation markers in both CD4 and CD8 uh, T cells, uh, particularly uh, 107A and, and TNF-alpha. And, and so uh, this has informed some of our, our, our strategies for potentially bringing this um, bite into earlier lines of, of, of treatment um, after generating initial proof of concept in the clinic. I think in the interest of time, I won't uh, focus too much on the in vivo work that was done using the orthotopic assay, but, but, but spend a little bit of time showing the synomalgous monkey uh, work that was done, uh, and this is published, but, but I think it is important in showing that, again, uh, what, what these molecules have the ability to do is to uh, drive uh, target cell depletion in, in a setting in which uh, we, we are using the animal's T cells and then the animal's native uh, target cell. In this case, this would be uh, looking at, at B cell depletion uh, and or in plasma cell depletion in the bone marrow. And, and what we're able to see is that in a dose-dependent manner, giving AMG 420 to, to monkeys is able to deplete bone marrow plasma cells. That's being re reflected on the on, on the uh, graph on the right, uh, or on the bottom, and on the top is just showing in vitro activity of using monkey models, uh, T cells, and uh, uh, CHO cells that actually have been transduced to express CINO-BCMA. So the top is showing in vitro proof of concept that the molecule has activity against the CINO-BCMA-positive uh, cells, and the lower graph is showing that in vivo there's depletion using either IV dosing or a subcutaneous dosed uh, AMG-420. And, and so this is really what, what is used in combination with the, the toxicology package that utilizes the same organism to, to really inform the, uh, the bulk of the clinical study, the, uh, the first in human study, and also to de-risk uh, the, the molecule from a safety perspective. So I want to now spend the rest of the time talking about the first in human data. So, th so this story was, was uh, presented by Max Topp, our lead investigator from, from Würzburg. Um, at ASH, but I'll, I'll focus on a few things that are a little bit different than, than Max described in, in his talk, and then I'm happy to take questions as well. And uh, w This was a study actually that was executed by Boringer Ingelheim, and, and the, the protocol was developed in 2015. Amgen uh, acquired the asset, uh, AMG420, in 2016, and, and really the, the work then became a collaboration between our two clinical teams. Uh, Amgen had oversight over the study, but BI really had developed the protocol, and, and uh, this, this was a simple 3 plus 3 design with four uh, initial single-subject cohorts, 
where very low doses were utilized. Um, and uh, the objectives in this case were assessing, of course, safety and tolerability, determining the MTD, the maximally tolerated dose, and then an initial signal assessment of anti-tumor activity. Um, and in this study, a maximum of 10 cycles could be given to patients. A little bit more about the, the patient population and the study design, and I just want to highlight a few features that are on the slides. Um, be, again, because of when the study uh, began in 2015, this was a study that was run in, in, in France and Germany, and, and due to the uh, regulatory status of daratumumab at the time, that was not a required uh, exposure uh, that patients had to have to uh, anti-CD38 agents, but in the subsequent trials, that's going to be very much in, in our monotherapy study to come uh, one of the uh, required prior treatments. Um, all of these patients did have a proteasome inhibitor and an immunomodulatory drug. They had to show evidence of, of relapse or refractoriness to those agents. Um, uh, plasma cell leukemia was excluded, and importantly, I, I wanted to, to highlight the fact that extramedullary relapse disease was excluded. Um, and I think this was largely to, to understand the, the safety and activity of the molecule in a, in a relatively narrower population of late-line myeloma patients, it, and it is something that we will be studying in the, this extramedullary relapse population in our subsequent trials. As some of you may know, it's, it's a minority of patients, but a significant minority of patients in the late-line population. Um, I think uh, the rest of this, we did, uh, I just want to focus, uh, look at MRD. Again, this was a study designed in 2015, and, and at the time, uh, MRD was defined as uh, uh, with a sensitivity of one um, in 10 to the fourth cells uh, using a, a, a multiplex fax assay. Uh, this is some details about the patient population. Uh, four prior lines of treatment were the median. Uh, there were patients who had uh, received prior daratumumab, and there was about a 21% refractory to dara uh, population in this, pop in, in this, in this patient uh, cohort. Um, the other features are, are here on the screen. Um, in, in Europe, as many of you may know, uh, autotransplant and, and tandem autotransplant is used quite a bit. And so a number of these patients, the vast majority had received prior autos, and, and many of them had two or three autotransplants. So a fairly heavily treated population. Uh, the DLTs and the, and the maximum uh, tolerated dose was, was defined. Um, the, the, the MTD for this study has been defined at 400 micrograms per day. This is, again, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning for those of you who aren't familiar with the, the canonical bite platform. Uh, this is a molecule that has to be given by continuous infusion to have uh, the desired pharmacodynamics. Um, so uh, blinatumumab is given this way, MG420 is given this way. Uh, the uh, patients uh, are on drug for four weeks and off of drug for two weeks, and that's a, that's a treatment cycle of six weeks. And, and so 420 just borrows from the, the blinatumumab playbook in this case. Um, so the DLTs were uh, seen at, initially with dose escalation at the 800 microgram per, dose, per day dose level, and if you can recall from one of the earlier slides, the starting dose was 0.2 micrograms per day, so that's, that's quite a bit of dose escalation that occurred over 13 cohorts. The uh, DLTs at this 800 microgram per dose uh, were cytokine release syndrome and uh, a peripheral polyneuropathy syndrome that uh, was also seen once 
we expanded at the 400 microgram per day dose in one out of 10 patients. Uh, uh, this peripheral polyneuropathy syndrome was a little unusual in that it was primarily sensory. In one patient, it, it was it had more motor components. It was reversible in both cases. Both patients were treated with, besides the dose discontinuation, with IVIG and steroids. They weren't rechallenged with drug. Um, but it's a, a pathophysiology we don't completely understand at this point. In, in one patient, the symptoms recalled earlier symptoms almost exactly with uh, the patient previously experienced with lenalidomide. Uh, so it perhaps gives the the, the feeling that this could be uh, something associated with activated T cells and autoimmune neuropathy, but we really don't know. There were no nerve biopsies obtained in these patients, but it's something we're thinking of moving forward. Um, despite that one event out of 10 patients, 400 micrograms per day was, was defined as the maximally tolerated dose in the study. Uh, I'm, I'm showing now the CRS related adverse events, uh, for the most part, uh, other than the one grade three event, they were all grade one with a few grade two events in, in patients. Um, infections were a major source of, of AEs. Uh, there were two patients who had fatal infections, one treated at a lower dose who had a combined aspergillus, uh, pneumonitis, and, and, and influenza uh, uh, infection and, and succumbed to that, another patient had presented uh, at the 400 microgram per day dose after completing a cycle with a rapid onset of hepatic uh, hepatitis, a fulminant hepatitis, and was diagnosed with a, a, a very fulminant course of adenovirus. Um, and that was uh, uh, thought to be the source of, of that, in, that fatal infection. Both of those were not deemed to be related to, uh, to drug. There were a number of uh, infections that were uh, related to the central line. And I think this, this is something that, that bears emphasis. In this case, these line-associated infections were not dose-related. Um, and I, I think uh, we, we are cognizant of the fact that given the continuous intravenous delivery modality that the central line uh, needing to be in during the course of, of treatment is, is a potential concern, and it's something that's certainly informing our development plan across the, the BCMA uh, platform. A little bit about the uh, anti-tumor uh, responses. Uh, so th these uh, data are using the ASH data cut, and, and, and we will have this uh, data refreshed uh, uh, in, in a subsequent meeting this year in which Max Topp will, will present. Um, what we saw were, firstly, in responders, there seemed to be a, a dose-related uh, in, increase in the, the anti-tumor uh, kinetics, uh, whereby M protein, which is uh, being shown here. So this is, for those of you who don't know myeloma, the, the, the myeloma cells produce a, a pathogenic uh, uh, antibody uh, that is uh, monoclonal, and it is uh, very easily detected in the blood or the urine. Sometimes it is an intact immunoglobulin. Sometimes it's just the light chain component. And, uh, and again, it can be e very easily tracked in the blood or urine, so you can have a number of measures over, over time. And what's showing here is that as the dose increases of AMG420, there seems to be a trend towards a more rapid reduction in, in M protein. Um, and, and this is showing also that we had a number of patients who were also rapid progressors, uh, again, really uh, emphasizing the, the advanced stage of, of, of some of these patients on the, on the study. There'll be a few additional 
responders that weren't captured in the ASH data cut that will be uh, presented at, at a later meeting. And this is just another way of looking at the same data, showing the, uh, the M protein change or the depth of the response after a single cycle and correlated with the, the best overall response. So you can see those patients who had tended to have deeper responses after a single cycle ultimately had uh, best overall responses. So the stringent complete responses are, are those patients who have a complete disappearance of M protein, have no uh, abnormal plasma cells in the bone marrow by multiple uh, assays are, are those who tend to, to respond quickly. And this is just the tabulation of the patient characteristics. I'll just uh, show this very quickly because of time limitations and get to the conclusion slide. So what, what we have here is an initial proof of concept, both from the preclinical and the clinical side, that AMG420 has anti-myeloma activity. There, there certainly uh, is uh, a safety profile that, that initially showed no evidence of DLTs until we hit the 800 microgram per day dose. We had the one event at the 400 microgram per day dose of the polyneuropathy. We, we do see a need to evaluate infections very carefully in future clinical trials and really to, to devise optimal management guidelines. Um, the overall response rate at the 400 microgram per day response, uh, dose was, was 70%. Of those uh, four at the time of the ASH data cut had MRD negative uh, stringent complete responses using the facts criteria in that one to 10 to the fourth sensitivity. Um, there were additional patients that had CRs at lower doses, and, and we believe these data together really do support the, the further development of AMG420, which, which we are doing now in a, in a monotherapy study uh, that is, uh, will be enrolling patients very soon. Uh, again, extramedullary patients will be included in that, uh, that, that population, and we will do some additional dose exploration as well. So that, that's everything that I had to say. Thanks for your attention, and I'm happy to take questions. Yes. I don't know. Do you see any loss of antigen escape? Yeah. Right now, we, we the longitudinal follow-up of these patients hasn't hasn't permitted that. That's certainly something we'll be looking for. The one thing I can share, um, the preliminary look at antigen expression versus response hasn't shown any correlation. So we see responders at a level of BCMA expression. Using a flow-based assay, we'd like to do this using an immunohistochemistry assay that we, we've developed internally also, but uh, to the best of our abilities, we, we don't see any correlation with response. But yes, we don't know yet if patients who progress off drug have antigen loss, but that's certainly something we'll be looking at. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Uh, from the uh, just a bite platform in general, and, and also just my um, looking at BCMA and, and multiple myeloma, um, are you seeing engagement of Tregs and in, in, in having a negative impact of Tregs? Are you seeing TGFB or IL-10 having a negative impact in a tumor microenvironment? And then on top of that, from the BITE platform itself, because you only have signal 1, CD3, and you don't have a signal 2, are you seeing energy from these Tregs? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, from these T cells, and is that impacting um, the efficacy? Yes, yeah, certainly. So these are all things that we want to study once once we have a, a fixed dose in a larger patient population. I have to say the, without being critical, the BI uh, biomarker uh, program was fairly sparing in this case. So we didn't have a lot of data points to look at. But I, I think these are certainly questions that we're we're interested in as we move this 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 forward into uh, further studies. Thank you very much.
We hope you enjoyed the discussion. The 2020 IO360 program will take place February 26th through 28th at the Crown Plaza Times Square Hotel in New York City. For more information, visit theconferenceforum.org. Thanks for listening.